0: Greetings everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the All Day Everyday Hoops podcast. Before I get started talking about our next guest, I did want to give two shout outs. First, the Be Contagious Leadership Experience by Hernando Planells. Coach Hernando Planels is a college basketball coach, leadership entrepreneur, and former sports film choreographer. Everyone is trying to get better when leading their team, employees, and themselves. The BCLE gives people an inside view on leadership from the coaches' and thought leaders' perspective. Be great, be the light, and be contagious. You can find out more at www.hernandoclanels.com. Please be sure to subscribe to his newsletter and follow his podcast. Also, the WBCA. Coaches of women's and girls basketball, the WBCA is your community. Since 1981, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association has been there advocating for our sport and supporting coaches at every level. They have amazing in-person educational opportunities like the WBCA Convention, which is held in conjunction with the NCAA Women's Final Four, and regional coaches classroom clinics. They have e-learning through their monthly webinar series, as well as over 700 videos, plays, and drills on their website, www.wbca.org. Along with information, they are the place you go to expand your network. The coach to coach Mentoring Program connects members throughout the season, and their in-person mentoring madness sessions put you next to other experienced head and assistant coaches that can give you instant feedback and help you meet whatever challenges you might be facing. The WBCA is there to give you all the tools you need to be your best. Learn more today at www.wbca.org and become a part of this premier coaching association. Today on the podcast, we've got Robin Cher Wells from Davidson College. Really excited to have Robin on. She's got a lot of valuable experience. She's kind of done everything in this profession. Uh, She's been a program assistant at the University of Michigan in the Big Ten at her alma mater. She's been an assistant coach at Portland State University. She's also been very successful as a head coach in two different stops, uh, Roosevelt University in Chicago, as well as Davenport University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We're going to talk to her about all of those experiences, including what it's like to go from being a head coach back to being an assistant coach, and we're going to talk about what it's like to start a program. Hope you guys are able to find something you like in this discussion with her, and I hope you're able to use that information to give back to the community you serve. Enjoy the show. All right, we are here on the latest episode of the All Day, Every Day Hoops podcast podcast with Davidson assistant Robin Cher Wells. Robin how are you tonight? Hey Adam
1: I'm doing
0: good thanks for having me on. Good good no yeah I'm really excited that you're able to do this. Uh, I I have you know this obviously and I tell a lot of people you know one of the first people I met on my first like recruiting journey ever uh, in the college <laughs> ranks and you've been great to me ever since so i appreciate that i appreciate our friendship and i've always really admired uh how you do things and and i'm really happy that i get to bring you on the show and pick your brain a little bit um,
1: Well, right right back at you and i i still i have to say that i'm still disappointed that we haven't worked together yet so maybe so maybe someday
0: uh, soon someday yeah I'll have that one privilege, day so. absolutely no that would be great um I kind of want to start there you know where when we first met you were um, at Roosevelt University uh, NAI school in the CCAC in Chicago and you were tasked with starting a collegiate basketball program in a very competitive league from the ground up and I kind of want to take us back to that and just kind of let you have the floor and talk about what that was like and and where did you start the planning and and what to attack with that job?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I started, um, let's see, I, I think my official start date for that one was like September 1st of 2009. So, and I had an entire school year to recruit my first class. Um, but needless to say, you know, obviously, if you're starting in September, you've missed the entire summer of recruiting. Right. So you're still, you know, quite even though you have a whole school year and you don't have your own team to really look after, um, you're still starting a little bit behind um, in, in that sense. And man, when I was hired, you know, I think the vision was that Roosevelt was going to be, you know, apply for NCAA Division III um, with like a start off in the NAIA. And our first year when I was hired, we had originally planned on, both um, myself and our men's basketball program, had planned on playing the first year as a club team. And we got about a month into recruiting, and myself, our men's coach, and our AD, Mike Cassidy, the three of us got down, and and Mike was kind of like, you know, the CCAC will let us, like – it, it, like if we can start playing, we can get in next year, you know, and start right away. Oh. And, 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 you know, the men's coach, I we look at each other and we we're like, that would be way better recruiting wise. Like the club season is a bad idea. So like a month in, we completely switched gears. So, I mean, that just shows kind of how crazy it was, you know, it was very much a, a work in progress, but um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of, that was kind of the start of it, you know, and you just start calling around AAU coaches and I talk to AAU coaches and they give me a list of their unsigned kids and, I parked myself at the Montini Fall League that fall, and then there was the Fall Evaluation Weekend, and um, I watched every game from from the start of the weekend to the end of the weekend. Uh, you know, at the USJN tournament in Chicago, obviously you're recruiting a Chicago school. You just I was just looking for local kids, and that was that was kind of how it how it started. You know, that was uh, um, that was that was where we started from. Right. So, uh, yeah.
0: No, that's great. So. I didn't know that. I didn't know that part of it in the year, all these years yeah, that we've known crazy. each other. Yeah, I knew that you had the school year to recruit. I remember that piece of the story. But switching from the mindset that okay, we'd probably be a NCAA Division three school with essentially no scholarships. I mean, there's academic money, academic scholarships yep. to being an NAIA program. Again, in the competitive league where they're you know the the schools that have there are schools that have scholarship money and are able to compete with really NCAA right. division two schools. Was that a daunting task entering that part of it?
1: You know, I think, um, I always look back on that time. Um, I was pretty young. It was my first head coaching job and man, ignorance was bliss sometimes, <laughs> you know, like hey. it just, it didn't phase me at the time. I think it would phase me so much more now probably. Um, but sometimes what you don't know, like, which which meant honestly it didn't limit me because I wasn't a, you know like I just you just don't know what you don't know right. you know so I just attacked it head on at that time and I mean the crazy thing is is even though we switched gears you know towards the NAI we still didn't have any have any uh, scholarship money we still don't have any basketball money I mean we were still just working off of um, a regular financial aid package, just like a D3 would. So really like the financial aid structure wasn't any different, um, than it would have been had we gone D3, but we just found, you know, I mean, the D3 application process is really long and we found that we were a pretty good fit in the NAI and that's, and that's where that, you know, and that's really where that started. And, um, my first recruiting class, I just, I just really, um, I just followed those guys everywhere. I went to all of their games. I did so much of it in person that first year, and, and developed relationships that way. And um, and I and I just I got a couple sleepers, you know, just right. late late bloomers, and yeah, you, you just you get a little lucky in that way sometimes.
0: Sure, sure. So you had to recruit every single player on that roster going into year one, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I recruited four, We brought in fourteen players for year for year one. Fourteen new players. Ten of them were incoming freshmen, and four were uh, junior
2: college transfers.
0: Wow, that is an unenviable task. I didn't. Again, I knew so was anyone already a Roosevelt student? Was there any like current? No student. Wow.
1: Nope. No, no, I mean I think we here we probably held an open tryout, and again, it wasn't an athletic school, so I mean it was. I didn't expect to get anything out of it, you know. The kids that came and they really couldn't play. You know, right. I mean there really wasn't even anyone that I could. On, as you know, like a practice kid, and um, so yeah, yeah, 14 recruited 14 kids, and um, you know, and, and and really like some pretty quality kids overall. You know, we 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 snagged a couple at the end, and that maybe not the best fit, they didn't last very long, but um, but the majority of them, you know, I mean, out of those 10 out of those 10 uh incoming freshmen, I mean, six, six stayed all four years,
0: so wow, wow. can you? Explain, kind of talk about what experiences you were able to draw upon when saying, "Okay, I don't have, I have zero players on the roster." What experience, you know, even from your playing days at Michigan, you know, what you did with athletes in action, what you did um, at Portland State. Talk about those things that helped guide you that first year, looking for fourteen players.
1: Sure. Um, I remember spending a lot of time before the kids arrived just sitting in my office, like, visualizing what this could become and what this program could become, and I knew we would face some tough times that first year, and I knew, with, especially with 10 incoming freshmen, that, you know, a few of them weren't going to get playing time, and they were going to view, you know, they were going to look at that situation and go, okay. Right now, I'm not getting a lot of playing time, and the kid ahead of me is a kid in my class, mm-hmm.
2: um,
1: and so I knew we'd hit some bumps in the road, and, and so I really thought a lot about, like, how do we create, like, how do we cast this long-term vision that is always going to be our anchor point to come back to as we inevitably go through the ups and downs of starting a program and playing a lot of freshmen our first year, and, um, and I did really draw back on my time at Michigan, um, you know, and the good old Bo, Bo- Eckler quote of those who stay will be champions. Hmm. Um, and that kind of became an anchor point. I definitely stole that from Michigan. I steal a lot from Michigan <laughs> in my career, but, uh, you know, uh, and just my fondness for my alma mater, but, um, I definitely stole that. And that was an anchor point, um, for us as a program, uh, those first, uh, those first four years, just having that vision that, um, I mean, I told every recruit I met with, um, that I believe we were win a championship in their four years there. Um, and I believed it with all my heart. And uh, and so casting that vision of when there are bumps in the road, keep, keep the end goal in mind. We talked a lot about that. We talked a lot about being the first and making history and the chance to put your name and our team in the record books and, 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 and blaze that trail. Um, and so really what I wound up with was a bunch of kids that wanted to be history makers, you know, that really wanted to be the first to do it. Um, and, and those, those two things, you know, we're kind of making the history, um, and sticking around to win a championship were the, were the anchor points for, for our program at Roosevelt.
0: Wow. That's awesome. I love, I'm getting, I'm getting inspired hearing you talk about it, Robin. <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. I, I love it. Uh, Now, from obviously recruiting is huge because you have to have players to participate. But from a basketball standpoint, this was your first head coaching job, correct? Yes, it was. So, from a basketball standpoint, what experiences were you going to draw upon to? Again, same question, but now from the X's and O's between the lines perspective, because. That, that's way tougher than most recruiting coordinators have it now because you maybe understand what your boss is doing. Or if you take over a program, sure. which we'll get to with Davenport, you know, you, there's players in place, and you know what you've got. Now you're going to bring in 14 new bodies. You don't know what you yeah. have. What was going to be your compass basketball-wise? For sure. I knew I wanted
1: to play fast. You know, and I, and I may not have had that completely mapped out um, in that year of recruiting, except that um, I knew kind of what I wanted players to look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I definitely drew on the experience of my dad, um, you know, who obviously, you know, ended up being my assistant my entire time at Roosevelt. Right. Um, but he had coached in the CCAC prior to me taking the Roosevelt job. So he had been an assistant at St. Francis um a a few years prior so he was pretty familiar with the the conference and that was really helpful so as I started watching kids um I started bringing him along recruiting with me and was like hey I really like this kid like how you know do you think can we be successful like am I on the right track in that sense of um you know kind of identifying kids but I knew I wanted to play fast I knew I needed athletic kids but I'm a huge believer and always have been that you also have to have skilled kids um Mm -hmm. And, and, I, and I really felt, and this I think was where my dad was pretty helpful at that time, was I felt like as long as I was putting four fairly athletic kids on the floor, I could hide a fifth right. <laughs> defensively. So I felt like, um, you know, to find like that knockdown shooter or a kid that might have a little bit more of a specific offensive skill set, even if maybe they were a little bit of a kind of a limited – I don't want to say one trick pony, but a kid that really had that one special thing, but maybe had some liabilities on the defensive end. I really felt like we could hide the kids like that defensively at times.
0: Uh, But
1: what they bring offensively, I've always felt I'm I'm not a, I'm not a, believer in the defense wins championships type thing like Mm -hmm. that's not my thing (laughs) um i think you have to score points to win games um i think offense makes a little go around and i think you got to find ways to get stops at the right time um and not to say that we don't uh, that i don't teach defense that's not it at all just i'm just a very offensive minded person first sure
2: um
1: and so that's really how i approached you know recruiting was just kind of like how can i blend these players together and i found Two kids early um, who really ended up being and who ended up being my two all-Americans, uh, Casey Davis and Maria Tamburino, mm-hmm. and I and I came across, across them early. And the first time I saw Casey play, I, I was like, "Well, oh, that kid would have been a starter for us at Portland State Division hmm. One out in Oregon." Wow. And I was like, "I can't believe this kid is fall, flying this far under the radar." So I saw her and I was like, "Okay, well, I know she would have been good out of Portland State. So I'm pretty confident if I can get this kid, we're going to be in pretty good shape." And um, and so I did. I wound up with, you know, with three kids in that first recruiting class that all had D1 interest and just never got that offer. It was her, Maria Tamburino, and Pierre Told, and, um, and kind of the next thing was I just, I, I found out pretty quickly that I just wasn't going to get a post player over six feet. Right. Um, and so that was kind of where I think my dad was also influential of, like, we don't need traditional posts. Like let's just let's just get a bunch of fours who can stretch the floor and be athletic and put the ball on the floor and as long as they can go grab a rebound, um, you know we'll, we'll be fine. We'll figure out a way to guard bigger posts if we have to and we'll just press the crap out of people and um, so that was kind of where you know in look in I think some of the recruiting shaped what we wound up doing basketball wise but at the same time of course my vision for what I wanted to do basketball wise also shaped my recruiting.
0: Right, right. Uh, walk me through that first uh, set of practices, you know, you're going in 14 new kids. What did you work on? <laughs> what did you try to implement and install? I mean, did, was there a lot of changes, uh, even starting so from crazy. day one?
1: Adam, I'm going to have to go back and find my first couple of practice plans. I don't even, I, I honestly I couldn't tell you. I don't, I don't <laughs> even remember, but I do remember the influence of, um, all of the college coaches I had been under and worked for previously, right. you know, from my time as a, as a, as an undergrad at, at, Michigan, from my time to working for coach Burnett, to my time at Portland state. And I think um, a theme was, you know, organized and efficient practices.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's um, who I worked for at every stop prior to being a head coach. So um, I, I'm quite certain in my organization of those first practices were, were probably as as tight as my organization is now um uh i'm pretty much like a, we get to a drill we're going to explain it um well not sacrificing teaching but try not to spend too long on that part and more time on the doing we can kind of stop as we go but my, my practices are very they run very fast
2: right. um
1: and i think that that i think i set that expectation pretty early on um i probably you know i think Especially my first group of Roosevelt players have, have you know, joked when they got older, or when they come or when they came back after they graduated, that I was, you know, a lot softer as I got older. I think that first year huh. I was a hard driver at practice, so um, and, and they it. definitely heard it, yeah, and they definitely heard it from me. And I think the, you know, I sometimes I look back and some of the things that. Um, I yelled at them for, got on them for my first couple of years. I'm like, "Let's get them some free, you know, they're pretty tough. they of some pretty
0: thick skin because um, I'm not, I'm not quite that harsh anymore." <laughs> That's funny. I don't, I don't think so. You're just, uh, you're gaining wisdom, right? You're gaining wisdom <laughs> yeah, with experience. That's what it is. There you go.
1: Yeah, I'd like to say exactly more wisdom,
0: not soft. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm gonna let me let me finish here. I don't want you to cut me off. But I'm gonna I'm gonna list off a couple things here and then I'm going to ask okay. you a question with it. So sure. in your in your 5 years there you go 85 and 73. Uh you win a conference championship, you win a tournament championship multiple um multiple championships then you make it to the national tournament. This is again all while building the team up from nothing. Uh you go to the sweet 16 you have multiple 20-win seasons, including a 28-win 20, season that may never be touched at Roosevelt again. You finish in the top 10. You're in the top 10 consistently. Um, you win a slew of coaching awards You know through the state and the IBCA, uh, your NAI Division II Coach of the Year twice, um, and then your CCAC uh, Coach of the Year as well as WBCA Coach of the Year. Okay. And then obviously you've got your All Americans, Casey Davis, again, maybe a scoring record that never gets touched at Roosevelt again. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: When you reflect back on your time there, maybe when you're sitting with dad at a holiday Mm -hmm. dinner or something, what is the most validating thing that you look back on and what you guys did at Roosevelt University?
1: Um, not to sound, not to sound cliche, but I'm just proud of who they all are as people now, you know, I mean, they're all in their, all in their mid twenties, um, and they're all just amazing people that make me so proud every day. Um, and I'm like in touch with all of them fairly regularly. Um, so certainly just, you know, uh, I'm, I'm proud of the quality of people that we recruited there. Um, but yeah, when you reflect back on just on the basketball side of things, um, I was told that, you know, especially that first recruiting class, I cast out vision for them. Um, and they, they just, they made me look really good. I mean, it really was them. Um, and I told them all the time, like, you guys made me look so good. Like, thank you for <laughs> not making me eat, eat my words, Cause I was like, I was telling people like, we're going to win a championship, you know, and they really backed up, um, my, you know, my kind of just naive confidence at that time of what we could do and huh. what we could build. um, but there is nothing like, I mean, to me, I don't know, the first championship um, will always be just probably the most special thing. Um, certainly every championship is special in its own way. Um, but I'm not sure that anything will compare to, to what we did, you know, for me personally, um, what happened in that first, you know, that first championship at Roosevelt because we did start from nothing. And I'm sure that, you know, we didn't have athletic scholarships and um, we're competing against teams that had, six to eight of them, you know, and, right. um, so, so yeah, I mean, that was a very, very special run, um, that year and, uh, you know, and, and, just a very, very special group. So yeah, I'm very, you know, really proud of what, you know, what the whole group did over their four years. But, you know, certainly that championship run was, um, I mean, they, they deserved it. They, uh, that was a team that really deserved, uh, to win those and, and, and what they got and the success that they had.
0: That's awesome that you, you talk to all of them still regularly, huh?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, text. We try to. I don't know. We probably get together about once a year. Um, uh, I think last year we got together. Uh, I think when I was back in Chicago in July for recruiting, mm-hmm. uh, one of our one of our uh, key players, Erin McCaslin, was out in, in Seattle. She works for the um, for the WNBA team out in Seattle, and um, and for the Storm. And, and so she was back in town. So we we're yeah, it's five, of, five of the six that made it from that first class. Uh, that graduated, were able to get together last summer, but yeah, just um, yeah, we keep in touch, and it's a little easier with social media too, so that, that always
0: helps. Right, no, but that is, that's why we do it, right? That's, that's the, like, I agree Absolutely. with you, that's the most validating Absolutely. piece, I'm sure, that's great. Um, then you know, after this great success, you have another great opportunity, you go to Davenport, you guys go 59 and 10, You win that league and the tournament titles. What was now the mindset going from the program that you built to one that was, you know, uh, established, you could say, and then continuing that success?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, with that, uh, you know, kind of taking that chance. I was ready for a different challenge in the sense of, Okay, what does this look like when you're not an underdog? Uh, right. When you, when the expectations are extremely high every year. I mean, when I got to Davenport, I think the year prior they had gone like 31 and one, mm-hmm. um, and they gotten upset like in the Sweet 16, and that was a pretty big deal that they had gotten upset. But you know, I mean, you're just. I, I think even the year before that, they had gone like 30. I mean, they were. Like losing one game a year, <laughs> right? I mean, and they was, played in a national
0: championship game at one point. There, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, I think I was just ready for that kind of challenge. Of like, okay, how do you do this when, um, you know, when that expectation is extremely high? There is a bit more um, pressure from the outside and internally. Um, certainly, it's really, really different, and I really learned this more coming to Davidson I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point um, where you know taking over a very successful program is really ta- really really different than taking over a rebuild mm-hmm. um, you know so you know so there were there were challenges that I knew that were going to be there you know in the sense of the expectations um, and I was ready for those um, but then also like the, some it's it's even harder than you kind of think it's going to be when you're, when you're trying to take a you know, take over a program that's
0: been that successful prior to you getting there. Sure. Right. And then now that you, you know, when you, when you're there, you have still probably a lot of the same recruiting ties. And I know you, I know you Mm -hmm. went to war recruiting um, every day for great kids. (laughs) Uh, And then that was also going to go, they also then were going to embark on transition as well going NAI to division two in terms <laughs> of that aspect of it what were uh, some of the I'm sure there it was an exciting time but what were some of the did you have concerns did you have reservations of okay well now there are expectations at this level and then now we're sure. going to embark on something else kind of talk us through that
1: yeah I mean you know it was announced pretty late. So like our, my first recruiting class, um, I recruited under the, like, we're NAI and then they committed. And then we went D2. So you kind of had like make those calls over again. It's like, Hey, are you still like, now this is what we're doing. We don't, we're not eligible for postseason for X amount of years, that kind of stuff. So you Mm kind of had, like, I had to do a little bit of re-recruiting, um, you know, at that time. Um, you know, I think the concerns were just, you know, building up the scholarship money to be really competitive in the CLIAC and get to that D2 level of scholarship money. And then second, you know, you're carrying a lot of kids that, you know, at that time we had a JV program, those kids were scholarship money. Um, so you're carrying a lot of kids that were built more for the NAI um, that were on a lot of scholarship money, and now you're moving to D2, which is just, um, it's just enough of a I mean, I think the best players in the NAI are absolutely very comparable to the best players in D2. But there is a little bit different level of physicality, you know, and I think that that at D2 the talent runs deeper, Um, you know, so maybe your top couple kids, like, pretty similar, but then you get to, like, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth kids and that's where you start to see, you know, a bit of that difference. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, I I would say that those were – you know, those were the concerns of making that transition um, and, you know, kind of from that scholarship perspective and the recruiting perspective. But I'll tell you, once we made the announcement, the co- you know, you get in with a couple kids just, just because you're going to be in the GLIAC, which is such a respected conference sure. in Division II. Um, it certainly opened the doors with some kids that, it, like, we wouldn't have had a shot with if we had been in the, you know, continuing the NAI. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah, so those were some of the challenges, but at
2: the same
0: time, yeah, I think some recruiting doors opened as well. Sure, sure, and the next thing I, I kind of want to make our venture into with you, in this time, uh, I don't exactly know the exact start date, but throughout this process, you latch on with Brian Stanchek, who is, mm-hmm. you know, for lack of a better term, a super agent, um, <laughs> <laughs> In the world of basketball, especially women's basketball, uh, I, hope, I hope he ends
1: up listening to this so he can hear you call this <laughs> great.
0: <Yeah, laughs> uh, for sure. But so you, you have this strong relationship with him, and then that leads to another door, right? And uh, Gail gets the Davidson job, and then you have this other opportunity presented to you. Kind of talk us through to start the the mindset for hiring an agent it's still kind of new in the wor- world of women's basketball sure. kind of talk us through that if you would
1: yeah absolutely so um kind of in my second year at Roosevelt going into my in my third year and then into my third year um you know I knew at some point that you know there would be potential that I would want to um possibly make a jump to division one at some point. I didn't know when that would be. um, But, you know, had a little bit of a goal in the back of my mind and kind of felt because my success was going to come at the NAI level. And I wasn't a big name player, uh, Mm -hmm. a big name, you know, former division one player. um, I knew that there would be some challenges for me to get in front of uh, ADs and advance as a head coach in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, I'd been kicking around the idea of an agent and kind of processing through that in my own mind. And kind of in that similar time frame, Brian actually reached out to me. And it was, um, it was kind of in his first, probably first year of, of representing women's basketball coaches. He was still an athletic director himself at that time okay. and building up his client base. And uh, he reached out to me and I had a conversation with him. We talked a little further. And I just really liked him. He was just a really um, kind of a no BS, very genuine guy. Like not a like a smooth salesman type. Like he was somebody that I felt like I could trust this guy to represent me, Mm -hmm. Um, and that he understood what my values were. um, That I was not looking to job hop in my career. um, That I cared about trying to you know put boots down as long term as you possibly can in this crazy profession. Right. But I felt that he under that he understood that. That I wasn't just gonna take the you know, the next job available just to advance. Um, and so I felt that he had a good a good understanding of that. And that's kind of where we started. Um and he's just, you know, has been a a real tremendous support. I mean, i te- he I texted after every game um, you know, it, 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 you know, he's just, he goes above and beyond. I mean, somebody that, you know, really became, um, not just a, a business partnership, but really a, a friendship, um, and, a in a mentorship in a lot of ways, uh, along the way. So he's a, he's a good guy. I so feel really fortunate that I got, um, you know, in with him early because <laughs> he's a lot bigger clients than me at this stage. I Stop always it. them. I'm like, I Hope you're gonna keep hope you're gonna keep representing me, Brian. So, um, but anyways, he's been extremely successful, um, and has a lot of you know, his clients have been very successful and it he, I mean he deserves it. Like he is a great guy. And yeah, he has a connection with my current Uh, with my current head coach so uh, he just uh, he felt like we would be we would be a good match when when Gail took the job here at Davidson and it was really important for her to have somebody on her staff that had head coaching experience um, which I'm sure we'll talk about her at some point but Mm -hmm. that right there just tells you a lot about her and her confidence in herself, um, and hiring good people around her, and people who have good experience, and that type of thing. But um, so yeah, so that was the connection was was through Brian. He felt like we'd be a good a good pair for each other, and he was he was absolutely right.
0: One of the first things you told me, I actually remember you, we talked about this for the first time. Your dad, your dad might have been there as well. I think we were in Cincinnati. Have- we we're in Cincinnati recruiting, and one of the lasting things about Brian that you said to me was. You mentioned that he texts after every game and you said he it's it's not what you may expect an agent to be like. You told me he's just a great person to bounce things off of just in general. Basketball, life, career, all that stuff. And that kind of stuck with me, right? Because I when no. I think of right. agents, <laughs> I think of lawyers who are or, you know, in that field, lawyer ish, business type ish people who are very transactional and it's kind mm-hmm. of just about the bottom line. And that's always kind of impressed me uh, about the relationship that you've had with him, um, mm-hmm. which obviously is a testament to him. And obviously it's showing right with his, with all the clients sure. that he has that are doing well. Yeah. So when I you, think
2: that,
1: you know, a lot of that comes from the fact that, First of all, he started out in our field. Like, he first was uh, a college assistant coach on the women's side mm-hmm. and then became an athletic director. So, I mean, he's been in our shoes, you know. And right. then also I think why he does so well with it is he's also been in the AD's shoes <laughs> as well, you know. So, I mean, he just has good, you know, good personal experience uh, in this field, which is why, um, again, I think why he's a great person to bounce things off of along the way. Sure.
0: That makes sense. So when he presented this, hey, Robin, you know, you've h- had tremendous success as a head coach, and now there's this, again, s- similar to Roosevelt in rebuilding a program, uh, mm-hmm. Donna Davidson, and, and with someone I'm connected to as well, did you have any concerns about going from a head coach to being an assistant again? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think you know, you know. Once you've been a head coach for so long, you you really, um, you gotta know like who you're working for because mm-hmm. you're so used to being in charge. And obviously, I did start out my career as an assistant coach, and um, I think as most people know in our profession, like who you work for, like really makes or breaks a job in this, in this field because sure. when you work for good people and people whose values and Basketball beliefs and all those things. When you're in line, then it, it can. This job is extremely rewarding and really fun. Um, but when those don't align, man, we work a lot of hours. It's long days and it's a high stress job as it is. And so when it's not going well, um, it's really difficult, you know. So, right. um, so certainly, I knew if I was going to take an assistant job, it had to be the right person. It had to be somebody that um, I wholeheartedly believe in. Because um, as a head coach, you know, if you're going to go be like You know when you've had assistants who've had your back, who've been loyal, who wholeheartedly believe in you and support you. It doesn't mean they agree with you all the time, um, but it means that, you know, even if they were in complete disagreement, you know that when you step out on the court together, they've got your back, you know, and and I've seen the value. I've had great assistants in my time as a head coach, Um, and so I know how important that is, and so I knew if I was going to take an assistant job, I had to be that assistant. Um, and in order to be that assistant, you have to really believe in the person you're working for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that was, a, that was a big part of it, you know, going into, you know, deciding to take this assistant role is, um, you know, am I ready to, you know, I'm used to, I'm used to being the primary voice. I'm used to leading. I'm used to making my own decisions, making my own day, all those things. And so I really, yeah, absolutely. had to not spent a lot of time thinking about what that change was going to look like before I took the job.
0: Right. So then now you take it what kind of eased some of those concerns? And then how did sure. your role grow um, in, with all your experience that you already brought with you? Uh, how did that help, and, yeah. and how did that help the program and kind of your goals as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when, when Gail and I first talked and, and when she hired me, I mean, one of the things that I told her is that, you know, I would never leave her on an island in a practice. Because um, a lot of times as a head coach, like you get into practice, and inevitably at some at some moment, you know, um, I mean, I was very fortunate. Obviously, I had my dad as my assistant for so many years, and he was so engaged and all that. But mm-hmm. you have to know, like there can be moments where assistants kind of check out, or where you feel like you're the, you know, um, you're like 99% of the voice and all that. And that was one of those things I told Gail, like you will never be on an island in a practice. And mm-hmm. and again, a lot of that came from the fact that. I most often, never felt that way um, in a practice. I wanted to make sure that whoever I worked for also didn't feel that way, especially when they were a first-time head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that there was always another set of eyes critically watching, ready to jump in when something needed to be said, knowing that balance when it is your time to jump in when it's not. Um, you know, so that was kind of the first thing I said to her. But but really, this year, I mean, one of the most rewarding things is um, just the different types of relationships you get to, to develop with players it's so much more relaxed than when you're a head coach. Um, There's so much less pressure for the kid when they're dealing with you. Um, You know, they're, they're much more open, um, even just as from not only on the court, but off the court. Um, and so I've joked a lot this year that this is the most popular I've been with players in about, <laughs> you know, seven, eight years.
0: <laughs> That's funny.
1: So, um, yeah, you know, so that part's different. And, the, and that, part's been, that part's been really fun. We've gotten to focus so much on, um, you know, developing those relationships on and off the court. Um, you know, especially with your position group and that type of thing, whereas as a head coach, you know, you're just obviously balancing a lot, and of course you still get to develop really unique relationships as a head coach, it's just different, you know, it just looks a little different, so um, I think to me that eased the transition a lot, was making those connections and making them quickly, you know, with our players and seeing how much they, you know, respected me and valued um, my input and my coaching um, and that helped, but, you know, certainly, you know, it, it you know, the challenging side of it is just, you know, there are, there are certainly days where I miss being a charger of practice, and it's not because I don't like what we're doing, or not at all. I what we're doing is great, and Gail does a fabulous job, but, of course, like, you know, I spent eight years as a head coach um, and getting to do that. So, you know, those can be the, you're just more missing it than any, you know, than anything. Um, but I've been given a tremendous amount of freedom and voice here, um, and I see where, you know, where value is added and and gail puts a lot of trust in me both in practice and in games and with recruiting all that so um i've walked into a a great situation rebuilding helping to rebuild a program at an amazing college um i just can't say enough about davidson and and just the experience here so um so certainly all of the positives have far away just kind of the the transitional challenges
0: i would say sure that's a great segue i I want to ask Give me two answers here. What is the one thing you miss most about being a head coach? And mm-hmm. what is the one thing you are so happy you don't have to deal with anymore as, a, as an assistant now?
1: <laughs> um, certainly, what I miss the most, I miss the end of game situations. You know, when it is right. tight and the pressure's on, and it is uh, your job to give your team the confidence to go out and win. Um, so I miss that in, in, in a close back, I think they're very related, just leading that locker room time, you know, the pregame talks, the halftime, you know, speech and that type of stuff, just that way of, of being upfront and motivating and leading. So I, I would say, you know, that, and, and certainly, like I said, situational, um, you know, be in charge of the situational things in games. Cause I, I would say that those are, you know, certainly areas of strength of mine, um, so miss that a lot. You know, um, what I don't miss is, is just somehow as a head coach, like you start your day and you think you're going to get X, Y, and Z done and you hit practice time and like you're lucky if X got done.
2: <laughs> right.
1: Much less Y and Z. Like somehow your day is gone before you know it as a head coach and you worked hard all day, but you feel like every day you're like, what do I have to show for it? You know, because you have to choose. Two emails and like 50 came in, you know, in the time that you answered the two. And and certainly we get a lot of emails as assistant coaches and a lot of recruiting emails and all that, but it just doesn't even compare with, and it doesn't matter what level you're at. It just doesn't even compare the amount of people that are asking for some kind of time or response from you, uh, as a head coach. So I think, you know, the fact that as an assistant coach, you can kind of stay, you know, stay in whatever lane of responsibility you have in your program, um, i've enjoyed that a little bit i'm not
0: gonna lie makes sense no i I understand when i was at truman state our football coach coach nesbitt he would uh term that as you know adam i had 10 things to do today i got through one or two because i had to put out so many fires that's what he always would say i'm just all day i'm putting down fires Putting down fires yeah yeah i get i get what you're saying no that's great um I do want to kind of move into, you've mentioned your dad a lot. Obviously, you played yeah. for a Hall of Famer and coach Cheryl Burnett. I kind of want to talk about a big thing for me, and I definitely see you as a mentor. A big thing for me is mentorship um, and just how you're able to share, give back, connect, and all those things. And, and you're very fortunate you've been able to work with family for a, a lot of your career yeah. and I would love yeah. to I would love to talk about that you know what mentorship yeah. has been to you and and, and um, hear your side of that
1: for sure I, I mean I've been really fortunate just to be around um, good coaches at, at, at every stage in a lot of ways I mean um, obviously growing up playing for a coach with my dad um, was, you know, there's nobody that's had a bigger influence on, you know, me from a sports perspective, especially from a basketball perspective than my dad. Um, But also grew up, you know, my mom is a phenomenal athlete in her own right. And I'll argue um, to this day that my mom is probably the best athlete in our family. Um, My mom is a, uh, on the dance studio for a long time and um, was a personal trainer for uh, for many many years until she retired last year and I would say you know the two of them had great influence I think my mom my dad's certainly on my basketball block and a lot of those things and um, how to coach kids how to talk to kids um, my mom was extremely influential on me just from a leadership aspect how mm. to connect with people how to care for people um, how to listen, um, that was a big one, just how to listen to people, um, how to learn people, you know, how to get, make people feel comfortable enough that they'll tell you their life story at the first time they meet you, those types of things. And mom's tremendously gifted, um, at that. And it's so genuine, you know, her care for people. And, and that really rubbed off on me. Um, but certainly other basketball people, you know, uh, played for, uh, the Illinois Hustle, uh, AAU team, which was like the best program. Through the 90s, um, all the best players in Chicago came through it. Um, from Tamika Catching to Dominic Canty to Tasha Pointer, um, you know, so on, so many more. I can just keep naming them. Um, obviously, people asking me as well, but um, uh, Daryl Pitts, who was a long time main west coach, he was mm-hmm. my coach. Him, um, Rusty Becker, who uh also coached with us, and he actually was assistant at CCC for a long time. Um, those two were really influential on me in high school because I learned that. Um, I really learned from them that there's not one right way to coach basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were really like at that time, really play oriented. Oh my gosh, did we learn so many plays? <laughs> and we will learn plays and secondary breaks and things that I, I swear we would use them for one game and like never go back to it. Um, and so just, you know, as a player really having to learn like all these different things, um, and keep them in your memory bank and all of that, um, and you know, I, I, I just learned a lot from them at that time. Um, and and Daryl was really good at uh, he coached players very individually. Um, and we had a point guard at the time who played for him at Maine West. Um, if she wasn't playing well, man, he would just yell at her until she started crying. Hmm. And he just knew that somehow, like if she started crying, she would kill it. Like she would play uh, extremely well after that. Uh, he probably yelled at me once in the four years I played for him. Like he knew that that wasn't going to help me be a good player.
2: Right. So,
1: you know, I mean, I learned that from him, um, you know, as well. So I mean, I'm he was an early influencer and outside of my family, one of the bigger influences on me in my high school time. Um, you know, the college and being around, um, coach for just, again, another amazing people person. Right. Um, and just, you know, um, you know, learning through things from her. Um, Cheryl Burnett in my time, my first kind of, like, job in college basketball when I was done with school at, like, 25, um, tremendously detailed. Um, she was the first person, uh, you know, really, like, I would, and I worked a lot as I was on the administrative side, so I did a lot with, like, our kids club and, and, the, and things like that. And I would show her kind of what I was working on, and, man, she would hand it back to me with, like, red pen, scratched out like half of it um and 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 it just it was her attention to detail stuck with me and I was like I take it back and be like okay like she has a vision in mind and she wants her program to look a certain way and every little detail was really really important to her um and and um that has such a tremendous impact just from not only you know not only did she impact me basketball wise because um, she was uh, just an incredibly smart coach, um, but really just how you run your program from top to bottom. Um, you know, with her, her associate head coach, Karen Rapier, was also, again, I only spent a year with these guys, and it was one of the most influential years, probably, of my life. Um, Karen was her associate head coach, and, and I worked very closely with her. Um, and she was one of the first people in my life to really like give me some constructive criticism. You know, I mean, she really sat me down with, like, Robin, I think you have a good, um, a good future in in this profession if you decide this is what you want to do. But here are some areas that I see that you need to grow in. Hmm. Um, and while it was a little hard to hear, because honestly, not a lot of people have done that in my life to me, you know, it was a little hard to hear. Like, I, I realized that she cared enough about me to, like, you know, say a couple hard things to me, and I took them to heart went okay like that's I see where she's coming from nobody's ever really pointed that out to me but um, and that helped me so much and and that stayed with me um even just as I've mentored young people on my own staff is caring about and and it goes towards our players too is caring about them enough um, and building a relationship with them where they trust you enough that if you say something hard to them like that they'll take it in the right way you know they understand that it's coming from a place of caring so, that was extremely influential on me. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's been very lucky to be around a lot, a lot of good people in this profession, but, um, you know, those were some of the major, major ins- early influencers on me.
0: I got to ask a Mac related question. Any surprise that central Michigan was in the sweet 16 then with your knowledge no, of coach G? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, not at all. And Heather Osterley was my, uh, you know, it was, it was at, at Michigan when I was there as well. And just, a, a smart staff who does it the right way. I mean, they're just, they're, they're, people people i don't know how better to say it but um right. I, i'm sure as you know koshi a very magnetic person um people are very very you know very drawn to her and it's and it's genuine and um yeah just extremely extremely happy for her and she certainly deserves all the success that she's had
0: sure yeah i mean it could be a little less, you know. We're in the same league, you know. She's, she's, you know, she's know. doing so well. A but... of,
1: man, I'm and You guys got some unbelievable coaches in that conference right now. I that think uh, that's, that's a tough conference to play in for sure.
0: Sure. No, I mean, but no. She, Coach Shu, is. A, you're absolutely right. Magnetic is the perfect word. She's a tremendous person. Obviously, a good coach, and they, yep. they do things the right way, right? I mean, it's it's yep. uh, obviously competing against them. I think brings out the best in all the coaches in our league because um it's a healthy competition right and for whether sure. that's for recruits or for the mac title it's it's been it's been fun especially you know i i'm still a rookie in this right i'm only 2 years in the mac but it's it's <laughs> it's been a great learning experience i feel
1: like you've been there forever i don't i feel like you've been at northern for like five years already right i guess right. it has only been a couple
0: i don't know if that's a good thing I, you know i'm getting stale on you i think that's a good thing i
1: think yeah. i think you've made your presence uh felt in a really good way so i think it's
0: a good thing good i i appreciate that um i guess robin this has been great i i, I mean a lot of stuff to pick up and I don't know. I I love learning even more. I felt like I knew you so well. I learned even a little bit more uh, of the pieces to you. I'm going to end I'm going to end on um I would love for the people who listen to this to be able to get in contact with you or follow what you do on social media. Please uh share that information with us.
2: Sure.
1: Um, both Twitter and Instagram, both coach RSW. Mhm. And my email is really
2: annoying. So, uh, (laughs)
1: might be better just to look it up on our website, but it is r o s c h e r r w e l l s at davidson.edu. Most obnoxious email.
0: I know, that's because it's part of your first name. Whatever. That's. Yeah. Okay, thank you for sharing that. And then
1: my whole last name without the hyphen. Yeah, it's just clearly I had no say in this email address. Right.
0: (laughs) The uh, the last thing I'll ask about is how great has it been uh, for you to be married to Ryan, a guy that's a, a coach himself? Uh, I How important has that been, that family piece of it for you in this crazy world, as you said?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, first of all, just his understanding of what I do um, and the ups and downs, the you know, how heartbreaking certain losses can be, um, you know, just having somebody who has been in it and, and understands that and knows that um, has just been a tremendous support to me. Um, and, I, and, you know, just something to bounce ideas off of, um, especially with, just when it comes to leadership and, and dealing with kids and dealing with the ups and downs that come with coaching young people. Um, he's just been a tremendous, you know, sounding board. Um, and, and one of the things that, that I've loved kind of about our relationship is, um, just the fact that, you know, he coaches football and I coach basketball and it's really kind Mm. of a perfect blend because we both know enough about each other's sport to like talk the talk with each other about each other's sports, but neither one of us think we know enough to like question any coaching decisions of the other person. So balance, (laughs) um, yeah, so there's so there's good balance. neither one of us ever comes home from the other person's game is like, Why the heck did you run that? Right. Um, you know, so it's just but but again we do not know enough about each other's sport to to have good, you know, sports specific conversations. Um, yeah. So I mean those that's been one of the things that's just um, you know, extremely uh, you know, valuable. Um, you know, just to have that kind of that kind of support, you know, support system. So yeah. I don't know. You know, obviously there's so many people in our profession that are married and married to people who, um, you know, weren't in this profession or weren't college athletes and all that. And, and every relationship's unique. But to me, it would be really, you know, it's hard for me to imagine being married to somebody who who didn't have that firsthand understanding. that I mean, he was a Division One football player. You know, he's he's lived it. He's you know been a long time, both college and high school football coach. So um, I do feel really, you know, really fortunate that that he understands this the way he does.
0: Sure. And I was going to say, especially from, for instance, the time at Roosevelt, he's winning state championships and you're going to the national tournament, finishing top five in the country. There's not a lot of criticism for you guys when you guys come back home after games. I mean, you guys are <laughs> winning those games. I don't think, you know.
1: Oh, but well we both had to go through some, you know, some a few tough seasons to get to that point. So, sure. um, but certainly we did have one year in there where um, one of my years at Davenport, where, where I won a championship, and and he outdid me by winning uh, the Illinois State Football Championship. Um, and I couldn't have been more more proud of him because that was just a, a pretty special deal. Which uh, and he, he won the state championship with Lombard West High School, which was my alma mater. So. Wow. Um, you and Sherna pretty pretty darn, pretty darn cool.
0: Yeah. You and Sherna. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But Robin, again, this has been great. I look forward to seeing you on the recruiting trail coming up here pretty soon. Uh, Always great when we catch up and I love our interactions and learning from you all the time. So I appreciate your time here tonight.
1: Absolutely. Thanks Adam. Appreciate
0: you having me on. All right. Talk soon. All right. That's going to do it for me here, folks, for the All Day, Every Day Hoops podcast. Really happy that we were able to have Coach Robin on. She is a tremendous person. Please do reach out to her through social media or look up her email on the Davidson website. She'd love to chat with you about anything, about being an assistant, about starting a program, about her different philosophies and all things like that. She really is a great resource. Before our next episode, please Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, rate it, like it, let me know what you think about it. Also, go on YouTube, search for the All Day Everyday Hoops YouTube channel. Please subscribe to that as well. We are going to release more basketball videos periodically. Also, please email me at A T A N D E Z at niu.edu so i can get you on the all day every day hoops newsletter until next time everyone thank you for listening please make sure you serve those in your community to the best of your ability and help grow this wonderful game see ya